0: The failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time.
1: Making changes takes courage. And if we don't change things, we won't have a future.
0: We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not.
1: Zero Carbon East. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series Two, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins. It's a Friday, which means we slide open the filing cabinet and whip out the green file. Those crucial stories making the news on the environmental agenda. Our man with the pen torch shining a light onto all of these issues is the entrepreneur and environmentalist Dale Vince. Morning, Dale.
0: Morning Ian. Happy Beltane, I should say. This week, not this day. But it's, uh, well, it's, a, it's a pagan thing and it kind of... might be dancing or
1: doing something?
0: All kinds of stuff, actually. But it's kind of a midpoint between the uh, the equinox and the summer solstice. And and the time of the year at which the pagans reckon that winter hands over to summer. Yeah. So I'm a big fan of that concept.
1: They'd better tell the weatherman this then because something's going on. Here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bloody freezing. Yeah. Up well, that,
0: that'll be a climate
1: thing, won't it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Which we'll but, uh, cover from time to time. We do, don't we? Yeah.
0: But I, you know, I, the more I hear about the pagan beliefs and uh, and that kind of stuff, the more I like these guys, you know. I mean, I think they they obviously had a lot of time to uh, to you know watch the seasons and the moon and stuff like that, and they had a real kind of connection to the. Well, to the world, really, that that uh, that we lose in in, yeah, yeah. in modern life, you know, with with devices distracting us and and our busyness and stuff like that. But it's quite impressive, actually, the extent to which they really understood
1: the changing of the seasons and yeah, yeah, indeed, that kind of stuff yeah, with, without a computer or even an abacus to work it out. <laughs> kind of Managed to to do this stuff. Uh, what what's the difference between a pagan and a druid, or are, are they kind of? Oh, I know, I
0: think it's about the same thing, actually. About the yeah, same, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Anybody interested, I'd check out uh, the druids. I think they've got a website here in britain which is very modern of them but uh there's you know some there's some good stuff on there uh, well,
1: you're allowed to dance around stonehenge and tell the magistrate it was all in the name of your religion and therefore get away with it
0: oh yeah i think that happened a while ago i don't think it happens anymore <laughs> so i was going to say the druids are the people that uh, like to go to stonehenge and celebrate the solstice and stuff like that
1: yeah makes sense Let's start off with a because obviously we, we, we in the, the great Venn diagram of this podcast, uh, we, we often uh, get into the world of football, which is your other area of life. Um, and I wanted to start off with this because it, it, it taps into all sorts of areas. Toby on Facebook says, uh, Dale, I'm a recovering gambler, almost two years clean. Thank you for taking a stand. I hope more of football follows. Just explain what that's about for those who don't know.
0: Yeah, we put out a, um, I guess a press release this week with a, a, an anti-gambling charity. We put some boards up uh, at our ground. Basically, it's about stopping the, uh, the the kind of rampant sponsorship of football by gambling. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of out of control. If you if you watch a game on TV, every commercial break is topped and tailed with gambling adverts about half premier league teams have got gambling sponsors on their shirt it flashes up on led pitch side boards you know gambling has taken over football and 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 that is pushing gambling you know on onto a lot of people and onto a lot of young people and online gambling of course is just so accessible on a smartphone uh you know it's like a well, it's like some kind of virus, I think. So we uh, joined these people uh, in calling for it to be banned. Uh, we know the government are thinking about that. Whether they will or not is another question. But uh, you know,
1: we think we think there's a need to take gambling sponsorship
0: out of football, out of sport, really.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting. Cause tra- you remember Tracy Crouch, the Tory MP, who did quite a lot on kind of fixed odds betting machines and things like that, and 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 she was you know widely applauded for for work on that. So. Whether this is an area that she'll take up as well?
0: Yeah, who knows? And I've had loads of emails from people, mostly football fans, but not completely, just saying the same kind of thing as, as Tony, really—that you know that they know somebody that's badly affected by gambling, for example—and uh, offers of help as well from people. Uh, you know, which is fabulous. I think there's a groundswell of feeling and opinion in football against this this takeover of our sport by the gambling um, industry. Um, yeah. But let's hope the government will. Uh, do something about it you know they were very boastful about having moved to stop the european super league which of course they didn't they just uh jumped on the bandwagon and spoke out against it but hopefully they'll do something material against and, and you're right
1: it's the kind of it's the smartphone thing because I, I always remember this analogy um this as a kid i can remember the woman over the road from us her name was sandra she used to go to the bingo like twice a week and it was always a conversation She had to leave the house, walk to the bus stop, get a bus from one part of where she lived to another part of the town, and then get another bus to go into town to get to the top-rank bingo hall. And that was a walk in itself. And then do the whole thing again. It was kind of like a two-hour round trip. Uh, So she could go and play bingo. No no one thought anything of that. But the fact is, that's what she had to do. Now, the same woman would just literally have to pick up her phone uh, and tap some numbers in with her credit card on tap. Yeah.
0: And, you know, bingo is a social event anyway, isn't it? It's not the same as being
1: sat in a
0: room on your own on your smartphone.
1: Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You were there. It was part of a kind of, if you like, a working class kind of social get-together as much as anything else. And if you won a few quid, fantastic. But now that's all changed with big bright lights right on your phone screen. And uh, that applies to to gambling apps as well, of course, in, in other forms.
0: Yeah, and such a lot of sophistication as well in terms of enticing people to bet.
1: Lots of it, yeah. Big personalities, of course, involved in it. And and then when they flash up those ads in between matches, they're kind of live, aren't they? They have the score on them already.
0: In-game betting and all this kind of stuff and all of that yeah, savior acres or whatever is i want to do an impression of ray winston now cuz i think he's got a fabulous yeah. voice and he obviously advertises for one of the, yeah, the like big like ray ones. needs the money
1: come on Ray, <laughs> come the
0: the world's favorite online betting company <laughs> exactly. that. was <what> <laughs> the room with him there. <laughs> I don't <Ray>. think so <laughs> yeah.
1: let's move to this story this is under the category of tell us something we didn't know cutting human sources of methane would be a quick win for the climate. This is a United Nations report, roughly halving emissions of greenhouse gases from human activity, often with the existing cost-effective solutions would reduce the future rise in global temperatures. So this tucks into the meat argument again.
0: Yeah, but as you say, that definitely falls into the category of, uh, yeah, uh, what's new here? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not not quite getting it. Yeah, of course. Uh, Are they talking about simple things like changing of diet? I haven't read that story.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. That if if the the human element, and for the human element, of course, that's including you know cows and everything we're responsible for, um, and levels of methane have doubled since pre-industrial times. So I mean, that tells you a lot. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. Then then I'm with them, but it does seem to be one of those um, non-event headlines, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny because we read them out and we talk about them, and they come around again, and we talk about them, and everybody agrees who knows their, their turf on these things, that something needs to be done. And then the story comes back again and we talk about it again. And you think, well, what are we reading? What are other people who listen to this reading and seeing that uh, that, that the people, our political masters, are not seeing? It's probably
0: a good sign that these stories keep coming back and you have more and more and different organisations basically endorsing the fundamental approach and the fundamental concepts that we need to cut emissions, we need to change our diet and that kind of yeah. stuff. And it's becoming more normal
1: is probably what this is a sign of. I think so. Um here's another one. Homeowners should be allowed to create their own green electricity and homeowners, did you say? <laughs> homeowners. <laughs> okay. I so- heard homeowners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of moaners out there. That's for sure. Uh, should be allowed to create their own green electricity and sell it to their neighbour. This is the chair of the environmental committee. Does that make sense? I mean, on the face of it, anything wrong with that? Uh,
0: no, I think it, it, it could be massively complicated. Um, I was
1: gonna say, other than the, the complexities yeah. of doing it,
0: and and of course, um, I mean, it would open up a whole new genre of neighbourly dispute, wouldn't it? But you didn't pay for that
1: electricity you had yesterday. You owe me 20 kilowatts, you say. <laughs> you can see this key uh, bubbling away. The Daily Mail would be on it. It wouldn't be a story about a bush that somehow infringed somebody's border. It would be about how much lecky you owe the person at number 77.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, no intrinsic calm, but I, I, think, I think it's a slightly bonkers idea, actually, personally.
1: Because you can sell it back to the grid, can't you? I mean, you, you have to sell it back to the grid. Isn't that right?
0: Uh, yeah, not the grid per se, but to an energy company. Gotcha. And, in, and for that, you need a smart meter, but I mean, they're taking over now in any event. And in a couple of years, we'll all have one. So it'll be kind of much easier to sell your surplus, uh, to the grid inverted commas, which is how we all see it, but it's not actually the grid, but
1: yeah. Here's a question from Robin who says, Dale, long time Ecotricity customer. I've been listening to the podcast for about a year. now. I also listened to, uh, Ian on talk radio, as well as Mike Graham his alternative view of the world. I've been eagerly awaiting your replacement for the feed-in tariff for my solar system. Is this coming? Tell us more. What does he mean by all of this, Oh,
0: ah, Did he say our replacement or, or a replacement? I wasn't sure. It's what he says, your replacement. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, there's a thing being kicked around called the smart, export guarantee i think it is or smart export tariff and it's it's like the feed-in tariff replacement but from individual energy companies so there's no kind of universal nature to it other than that you get paid for what you export the price will be very different uh, from different suppliers we are paying that to people with a smart meter Um, so it it exists at our company. It's not a formal product yet, so you can't find it on our website and stuff like that. We're kind of just doing it uh, by hand at the moment while we're doing some big work to our systems, which are a bit more fundamental. So it's on our list of enhancements. Probably in about six months' time we'll get to it, but uh, it is available. and We are paying people the equivalent of the old feed-in tariff for um, exporting spare, usually solar energy.
1: What's the deal with smart meters? I mean, they're obviously, because I, I get like texts 700 times a week uh, from the energy company saying, you know, have a smart meter, have a smart meter. And then, you know, I do debates on this and people say, well, some of them are good. And there's the smart meters and the smart meters, the new version of works, the old one doesn't. Uh, what, what's the deal here? I mean, clearly this is going to be default at some point in everybody's house. Yeah.
0: so. Starting at the beginning, I would say that the energy industry is kind of unique in modern life in that we have these meters that people need to read. You know, it doesn't happen in telecoms, does it, for example? Yep. And, and I would say nine out of 10 of all problems in the energy world uh, for customers start with a meter and a meter reading. So the idea of automated meters that read themselves, that send data out automatically is fantastic. Um, it was rather rushed by our government a couple of years ago. They set a hideously ambitious uh, rollout program for the whole nation, and they did it before the standard was even agreed for the meter. And then they started the clock running. And so there was a first version of the meter that was rushed into production, which wasn't uh, wasn't proper and, and isn't as good as the second version, which is out now. Um, and that's probably what's being referred to in the emails that you get. That, that yep. The second version called SMETS2 is... Um, is the final version and, and is the good one. And a lot of people have got the old uh, first version, oh, Smets yeah. 1. Um, but, you know, they won't really lose anything from that. You know, I think Smart Me is fantastic. They're going to take away all of the pro- nearly all of the problems of the energy industry with meat readings and contested bills and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and do more than that, actually, because they'll give you data. They'll show you your consumption on a half-hourly level if you want it through the day so that you can see when you use energy. They will do export for you as well if you have solar panels so you'd be able to look at how your solar production matches your cool. consumption and that kind of stuff it'll enable us all to be very
1: smart about how we use energy here's my problem and I think I'm the only person onto this so when the energy company says you know have one of our smart they're desperate for me to have the smart meter my question is simple okay I'll take your smart meter if you come around my house and remove that disgusted twisted iron 1930s meter that currently sits in that cupboard that we've all got. That does nothing but breed unnamed species of spider and God knows what else under there. Take that away. I'll have your smart meter. Why do I have to keep the old meter? Oh, I didn't know you did. That's what news to me. It. They don't remove it, surely. I, I believe so. I assumed so. I thought they just locked it off and left it there. That's quite a job, isn't it? Uh,
0: maybe they do. That's a bit lazy, isn't it? Very. Yeah.
1: Because it takes up space, you know. And who designed those meters back in that? We wouldn't be giving any TED talks, would you? <laughs> if you were the designer of one of those things, maybe
0: back in the day it was like cutting edge.
1: I go nuts trying to read it as well, because you know, increasingly oh. you're asked to read it yourself.
0: Oh, and there are so many different types as well, and <laughs> um, you know, and the thing that winds me up about some of them is they've got a last digit after the decimal point, and usually yeah, yeah, yeah. it's in red, and. Y- you know, it's irrelevant. It's not used, but it's on the meter, and so people yeah. think, "Well, I have to send that in." And
1: ignore that one and read it yeah. backwards. And if it's between two numbers, go for the lowest. I just like hang yeah. on, and I've lost. Yeah. I'm dislocating my head trying to get underneath the little space to read the darn thing to start with. It's awful. But with the
0: smart meter, you'll be able to access your consumption through your smartphone you know just uh, you, you'd be able to see in real time if you want to what your house is using and it's an interesting thing to do i had an energy monitor many years ago in my house uh, when they first came out and uh, you, you find yourself right anyway running around the house turning stuff off to see how low you can go
1: <laughs> yeah it gives you that option doesn't it you can it see it in real time so yeah i like it um here's a great one uk supermarket chain co-op have announced big changes in its stores to appeal to its vegan and vegetarian customers. This, of course, is a growing base. The Carp Group announced its slashing prices of plant-based burgers and sausages to bring the prices more in line with real meat products. And this has been an issue, hasn't it, that lots of people have looked at vegetarian options and gone, actually, they're more expensive in some places.
0: Yeah, it, uh, I mean, they're quite right. It's wrong because plant-based ingredients are naturally cheaper than uh, Animal parts based ingredients and even though there are huge subsidies about two billion pounds a year into the intensive animal farming industry in britain alone despite those subsidies plants are naturally cheaper but a lot of companies have taken the opportunity to premium price this kind of new concept uh, inverted commas in around the new there of, yep. uh, of just eating plants and um, and it is wrong it does hold people back and i think it was only a matter of time before somebody gave that a big old push so i say fair play to the co-op
1: and also this, uh, hydrogen, using hydrogen-based fuels for cars and home heating risks, locking in a dependency on fossil fuels and failing to tackle the climate crisis. Now, it's interesting, this feeds into a debate we had on the radio this week about the future of cars and some controversy over you know, what the electric car carbon footprint currently is and why we haven't gone hydrogen-bound when it comes to how we you know, run our automotive systems
0: yeah it's interesting it's also in a way an example another example of the headline you read out earlier uh, that fell into the category of well what's actually new here but it depends on where you are in terms of your understanding of things so for me the headline of that story was that uh, that uh, electricity is more efficient than hydrogen in vehicles and homes and I'm like duh but don't we know that but of course not everybody does know that and um you know, simply simply put, it takes twice as much energy to do a mile in a hydrogen car as it does in an electric car. There's a big efficiency issue, and there's an enormous lobby behind hydrogen. And uh, guess who is funding it and part of it? It's the uh, fossil fuel companies. Get out
1: of here! Seriously?
0: Oh, really? Yeah, because their infrastructure. Morning. <laughs> no, <it's> truthful. <laughs> their infrastructure. I mean, they're there. They're visible. It it suits the hydrogen economy as they like to call it perfectly they have big refineries where they can make it they ship the stuff in tankers store it in tanks and pump it into pipes and uh, cars and stuff like that i mean it, it fits for them perfectly it's a low carbon version of what they currently do the only problem is it's inherently inefficient and it's going to make the job twice as hard as it needs to be but there's an enormous push and it does capture the attention of the media and of government as well because it's a big expensive thing you know they like to say that oh germany's ahead of us they're spending billions on hydrogen for example we're in danger of falling behind which always gets politicians fired up Uh, but it's a big mistake to pursue the hydrogen economy electric cars are here now taking over the roads Super efficient, we're talking in the ninety percent in terms of fuel efficiency, wow. and the okay. internal combustion engine car is about fifteen to twenty, and a hydrogen car would be just under fifty, so you know there's no no contest in terms of efficiency um mm-hmm. so yeah, so this is one of those stories where I shrug and say, yep, yep, know that, but of course not enough people do get that
1: yet there's uh, a couple to finish on Dale Alice on Twitter, good luck, Forest green Rovers. uh we hope you get to the playoffs. What's the thinking here, Dale? How's it looking? uh
0: it's looking rather good we've got one game left on saturday uh if we win we're in the playoffs uh which is fantastic because it's in our own hands yeah. uh, as as we like to say it doesn't matter what anybody else does except the team that we play of course, of
1: course. <laughs> so, yeah <I> just <laughs> remind us who you have on saturday
0: <laughs> yeah we're playing oldham you know we're in a good place we we beat tranmere on saturday who a, cl- a club in the playoffs and, Indeed, and, yeah. a, and a very good team um but we beat them with 10 men as well i mean we had the 10 men so uh there's a great spirit in our camp since we changed coach, uh, and Jimmy Ball stepped up. And uh, you know, I'm very really positive about it. If we get to the playoffs, then I think we have every chance of winning them. Fantastic.
1: Final one from Phil on Twitter: What's on Dale Vince's bank holiday barbecue? I don't. I mean, we've just had a bank holiday, and we've got one in. Well, it's about two weeks away yet, so. Ah. A well, last night, it was a wash. It was freezing. It was so yeah. I've yeah. Had a barbecue.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, look, you know, I'm a big fan of the shiitake mushroom burger from the Devil's Kitchen, and that's not just some kind of like, uh, I don't know what you might call it, reverse conflict of interest, because it's not a conflict. <laughs> it's not that. Uh, but I'm a big fan of it. I like those. I like corn on the cob, uh, big mushrooms with uh, olive oil and uh, soy sauce, actually, as a kind of like oh, brush, that, a brush on dressing. Um,
1: that's a stunner. Yeah, I mean mean, it just feeds into the argument that we've said so many times. When people eat meat, what they're eating is often the additional flavors added to the meat, like not the actual meat. It's you know I I said this before. Somebody once said to me, if you had a piece of raw steak or basic steak with nothing added to it at all, you'd wonder what the hell it was because invariably, even salt, pepper, sugar, all manner of things that go into much of the meat that is eaten is tainted with other flavorings and those flavorings can be added to things like mushrooms anyway so
0: yeah it's true uh, yeah like big slabs of red pepper asparagus uh, all kinds of plants on a barbie actually are really fantastic it's that kind of singeing thing in that yeah. uh, that uh, that's what i like about barbecue food the singe <laughs> the singe that's
1: yeah. like your wrestling name <laughs> wrestling <laughs> the singe yeah. now here he is in the red corner the singe it would work nice <laughs> um, Dale have a cracking week we'll speak yeah. next week
0: yeah thanks Steve. see you later
1: that's it for this episode don't forget to follow this podcast from your podcast provider you can therefore get each new episode automatically leave a review there as well really important bit follow Dale on social media twitter.com slash Dale Vince facebook.com slash Dale Vince and the same on LinkedIn too and we'll see you in zero carbon east